0: Go together, it's folded the wing mirror in on Gerardo's car, so he's not going to be able to see who's coming down the inside on the left. And pretty soon, that might be David Puget. But what you said before about Puget, though, David, he's just methodical, he's hanging back, he's not getting involved in any unnecessary fights because he knows that Milan will break away. It's a fantastic start from the 23, they're four wide there by the look of it. Antonio Albertetti gets a fantastic launch off the line, jumps down to the right hand side, but does not get past Stefan Fast, they're three wide in the middle. That's. Palm in there as well with latch coat. a humongous lock up from the 23. He's going to pile into the side of Stefan Fass, who gets turned sideways in front of the pack. Can everybody avoid him? This contact with Alba And look at that, Teo Calve from 10th on the grid down into second place. I say down into second place, up into second place by the exit of turn one. It made a very strange noise this Carl. Well, a very good strange noise. It was sounded like it should be a big burly V8 most of the time, but then other times it sounded really high pitched. Byron Crawford's going to be making some high-pitch noises right now as Gary Tall pokes his nose down the inside. spit bit of flame on the brakes, a bit of lock-up as well. Is Dunstan going to go through? He's going to try and have the pair of them. Thank you very much, he says. Oh, there's so many of them sideways at stone. They're all running so, so wide. Yes, <laughs> it's a fantastic sight on the CCTV. They're all just completely sideways going through there. But they're four wide on the way into club, and this is only the first lap. We're just leaving now, and Matt has just said keep up. <laughs> I'd like to remind you that he's driving a 1.2 litre turbo this thing is absolutely- Fantastic stuff, Panjstuk. You never lose it, do you? It's like riding a bike for him. Absolutely epic stuff, but this is phenomenal by Burgers because he's just bouncing between these two Audis. He's under attack from Langean, then he goes forward and has a go at Fjordback as well.
1: Well, we're up to episode 10 here on Commentator's Corner and I've got the man, the myth, the legend from Cheshire himself, Mr. Chaz Draycott. Hello, buddy. Thanks for jumping on board and how are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. Very good indeed. Um, looking forward to another year of commentary, Um, as you and I have both been experiencing so far. Sim racing never sleeps, so we've been enjoying that. But I'm yep. looking forward to getting back out there in the real world and cracking on with some.
1: Definitely, for those that do know, Chaz uh, does a lot of the uh, the Renault Sport Clio Cup Europe and also the uh, the FIA Trucks as well, mm. where. There have been some big hits. I think the notable one is the Hungara <laughs> Ring. If chat, uh, if memory serves me yeah. correctly, Jess. <laughs> yeah, there was
0: uh, there was a mad situation. So I I did a lot of it remotely last year. Um, I did a lot of it from my studio office thing I've got here at home. Mm. And uh, it was the second race of the year, and I didn't quite know what to expect going to the Hungara Ring, one of my favourite circuits. I've watched so much racing there, so I know sort of how vehicles and cars all sort of react to yep. the track trucks are just on a different level you know <laughs> everything's so different about them but there was a big send up the inside into turn one basically three wide on the way in one truck hit the right rear of another and as you can imagine with them being over five and a half tons the uh the brakes yeah. are rather important so one of them slammed on the brakes got hit on the inside he was backwards in front of the field nobody hit him and i don't know how when there was about 16 17 trucks going through but then he got going again And then coming down to turn two, the left-hander had a brake failure all on the right side, so it just went straight on. Took out the barrier, it snapped the posts in the ground, so they had to (laughs) dig the posts out of the ground, relay the foundations of it, put new posts in, rebuild the barrier, and then it was smooth out a massive dent that it made in the grass bank because it took the (laughs) railing out. It took the railing out that was five feet behind the barrier. Yeah, (laughs) It was unbelievable. Stefan Fars it was. If you just put in FIA truck crash hungaring or whatever yep. on youtube you'll hear my horrendous voice and a horrendous noise as this truck goes through a barrier.
1: <laughs> i'm wondering if they had norby michaelis on standby just to assist <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably being his I local track him. um mm. but Chaz, um you know you've given us a bit of background you you've we've worked together uh mm-hmm. on williams esports also uh you know we we've We've, we've both known of what each other has done Chaz, if you don't already know is doing the epically brilliant formula one world <laughs> championship where it's 1990s tributes on on single seaters which is an absolute hoot so don't forget you can go to Chaz's social media his youtube channel it's in the link in the description down below which has been brilliant it's been lovely seeing the old uh, arrows and the williams and the Benettons mm. and the mclarens and all those old style liveries and it's It's separately done, mate. So I have to commend you on that one, which um, which is which is awesome. Um, How did you get bitten by the motorsport bug, buddy? Is my first question. Who was the big influence in that?
0: Um, My dad's always watched F one, and he's he's never been like a massive fan of it. But it was just like it was something to watch on a Sunday for him. You know, he's always Mm -hmm. been intrigued by motorsport. Um, And watching F one, you know, I, I used to do loads of drawings as a kid, so. What I'd do is I'd be literally sat on the floor drawing everything I see and it'd just be Formula One cars, race circuits and things like that. There was a a famous moment, I say famous, in in our family it's a famous moment where I was on the floor drawing the track map of Spa um, because we'd watched qualifying on Saturday and it was the 1998 Grand Prix when there was the massive accident at the beginning. Um, and obviously, as a kid, you know, all you're thinking is, wow, a big crash, that's ace. But, you know, <laughs> that's I, I should, real have, been the, yeah, I should <laughs> have been into the racing rather than the crashing. But I uh, I was drawing this track map of Spa and uh, I remember drawing Ralph Schumacher's um, Jordan because I don't know why, but I was always a fan of Ralph Schumacher over Michael when I was younger yeah. um, just because I was thinking, oh, he's the underdog of the two brothers. I want him to <laughs> And I think I like the bright yellow helmet that he always had. Um, but I was drawing this in my trap map. I'll get around to it eventually. And I, I turned to my dad, who was sat on the sofa watching it, saying, "Dad, how do you spell Spa Frankershams?" And he was like, "What do you mean Frankershams?" He's like, "It's just called Spa." And I was like, "No, it's Frankershams." And he was like, "It's I just call it Spa. Don't worry about it." Bang on cue on telly comes Murray Walker. No, Jim Rosenthal. It was sorry. Oh yeah, Jim Rosenthal. <laughs> In the studio on ITV. Hello, welcome to Spa Francorchamps for the Belgian Grand Prix. My dad, I just looked back at my dad like, yeah. <laughs> he looked at me like, you smart little
1: <laughs> get. And, yeah, and that was it. Well,
0: and he knew he knew that I was always going to be a gobby little thing from that point on. Mm. But you know, the, I I just part of my brain just picks up these details and things, and it always has. And uh, I think that was the initial uh, indication of it.
1: First race you ever saw trackside? Oh. Um, It was Alton Park. Mm -hmm.
0: I think it would have been the 1999 British Touring Car Championship. I don't know. It would have been one of the support races first. Mm -hmm. But I specifically remember being there when... Thompson and Plato had massive fisticuffs over the top of the hill because oh Plato had bumped him into the hairpin and they were three wide and Thompson basically over the crest of the hill, just right hand downed him. It's one of the funniest things you'll ever watch. Oh, I it's remember amazing. that one. <laughs> and Plato's car, we, we were stood at the top of the hill. So they were coming from our right and went past us. And just the way that Plato's car bounced down the hill as it just went off. It was so funny. Me and my brother were crying laughing. I think it was that race meeting, actually, where they they used to have Cleo Cup supporting them with the older-shaped Cleos, obviously. Mm -hmm. And there was a massive accident. There was three of them, three wide over the top of the hill. And the car on the left basically got the other two squeezed together, and he sort of came across. He got turned, but he was sideways right in front of us, and he hit the barrier and almost hit the marshals post. But the car, like, hit 45 degrees on, spun in the air, took off, and then came to the other side of the circuit. And me and my brother thought it'd be a good idea to go and ask the marshals for the bumper that came off it. And we we didn't realize that it was going to be a thing that they actually said yes to at that point. So we, me and my brother said to dad, oh, we're going to go try and ask the marshals for some bits of that car. And he was like, yeah, yeah, all right then. And then we went down the road. The two of us come back carrying this bumper above our heads, like look what we've got. And then eventually we put it in the car, and it lived in my dad's garden for about five years. <laughs> it was uh, it was a hell of a memento. Every every I remember my mates whenever my mates came around to my dad's house, I was like look at this, I've got a race car bumper in my garden. <laughs> just one of them things as a kid, I guess.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I mean it. It's so funny when <laughs> when you just go yeah, we don't think we're going to get it, and it's like yeah, it happens, oh, and yeah. it's just like you think. We just struck gold all of a oh, sudden. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what it felt like. We were just like, I'll oh, sell this on eBay. <laughs> but like it was just absolute just one of those moments as a kid where you think, you know, I'm really proud of that. You know, I, I went and asked for something and I got it. You know, it's it's just one of those very fond memories I've got of motorsport. And Alton Park's always had a soft spot for me. You know, well, I've always had a soft spot for Alton Park. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they think of me. They probably think I'm an idiot. But the um <laughs> The, the whole place, I just, you know, I've, I've grown up there. I've, I've lived it. I was um, really proud of, in 2010, me and my mate Casey, we, I used to live about two miles from it, if that, um, literally on the A49. I was on the A49 living with my mum. And me and my mate used to, basically, he'd come over on the Friday night and we'd cycle there. We'd cycle all the way to Alton Park. Every single four-wheel event in 2010, we did. Every single one. We got the season passes at the start of the year. And we cycled there for every four wheel event, as MSVR called it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I've had the actually I was up there for the Mini Challenge Trophy last year. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that was that was a pretty well. I mean, for me, it was actually the start of ten days away from home because I was working with a social media client. I was there for a day and mm-hmm. a bit, I think. Yeah. Um, well, we actually, I think it was the sat- it was the Saturday and then the Sunday. I had to drive from Alton Park. Well, no, actually, when the race day finished on the Saturday, because it was shortened because of a, uh, a massive red flag. I think it was Matt, Matt Hammond.
0: Uh, oh, car. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mm. was there when it happened and we had three laps of racing. Mm. And then the next thing that I realized what I had to do is I did a full day's worth of work. I drove from Alton Park down to Dover. Because I had a ferry to catch the following, following morning, because my next destination was Lamar. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I still remember getting to the hotel at midnight, unpacking yeah. my car, just like basically odds and sods of what I needed. Luckily enough, I had a spare backpack for that. Mm-hmm. And I went, Oh, what time do you want breakfast in the morning? And I, I you know, when you're just in that blur where you just go, I, I think I'm forgetting something here and I forgot that the room came with breakfast anyway. And I said, oh, I'll be down there for <laughs> quarter to seven. And my, yeah. and my ferry was like at half seven. I woke yeah. up late. So I oh, literally no. I shat the bed. um, <laughs> And, and, and uh, I I think it was quarter past seven. The ferry is due to leave at eight. So I had to get up, grab something quickly, eat it on the fly whilst driving down to Dover Mm. Then I get to Dover, and there's a 45-minute queue to get through French oh. passport control. Uh,
0: yeah, it must be French as well, doesn't it? hmm
1: <laughs> And uh, passport control asking me if I had my PCR test. I said, no, I'm fully vaccinated, because that's when you had to have two shots yeah, in order yeah. to go over. Um, and luckily enough, I get a notification from 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 the ferry company Ah your ferry has been delayed. Oh, well if you'd told I was like thinking if you'd have told me that bloody 45 minutes earlier I wouldn't have <laughs> shat the bed and rushed yeah. out the hotel and uh, nearly spilt half me breakfast down me down me front. Um, it's it's one of those things. Um this is where this is where myself and the guests that we have here on Commentators Corner it's great chaz isn't it because we get mm. to tell stories to each other as well as yeah, yeah. enlightening people out there. But well, how did it. you... How did you first get involved in commentary, mate? That's the, that's the big £64,000 question right here. How did you get involved?
0: I, I I basically, the reason I got into iRacing was that I used to watch Apex Rating TV. Um, I was always looking for, because, you know, everyone watches real world motorsport, but it can't happen all the time. You can't just make events happen. And I always thought, you know, this sim racing stuff looks good. I want to watch some virtual racing. Um, I used to watch a series on Live for Speed ages ago. I can't remember the name of the commentator. There was a woman that commentated on it. I think it was Laura Rose or something like that. And and she was, it might have been Emily Rose. But I, I used to watch that and it was great, but there weren't many rounds of it. You know, they had inconsistencies with how many drivers turned up and who turned up and so on. Um but then I started watching Apex Racing TV when they did the series on iRacing, which was the BSRTC organized by British Sim Racers. And it was great because it was like a mock British Touring Car Championship. They had massive grids, great drivers. Ash Sutton used to race in it. I think he still does as well Than certain bits that they do. But Ash was uh, Ash, Ash was amazing in that. You know, he really shone through. But there was a number of great drivers. And I, I just got hooked from there. And I thought, you know what? When I get a PC, I'm going to get into sim racing and do that um and a few years down the line I'd, I'd sort of made slightly good friends with alex simpson who runs apex and andrew woodhouse who was the other guy that was commentating on it at the time and to me mm-hmm. it was like wow these guys are great you know these, these are the proper commentators of it i contacted andrew loads and said how do i get into this um and then i think it was end of no it might have been the beginning of 2018 alex basically got in touch and said we're looking for some more commentators mate do you fancy giving it a go and i was like yeah, I'll do a trial for it and so on. I was covering in, covering an MX5 evening of four races at Watkins Glen. And and it was great. And it, it went really well. And I, I sounded dead boring at the time because I didn't want to get over the top and so on. I'm really animated. I mean, anyone watching now will notice I'm, I'm always <laughs> doing this with my hands. I've always got a pen or something in my hands just to mess with. Cool pen, by the way. Look at that. Sick. Oh, man. Anyway, um, it's it was just that trial, basically. And I got that done. And... Uh, Andrew Woodhouse gave me loads of praise. Alex liked what I was doing. And I carried on doing the MX5s from that point onwards, really. And then I just kept getting praise for it. I could then learn how to broadcast using SDK when Apex used that. I was one of the first people to use SDK with the guys because Apex developed it. Um, so I had early access to that. And it really helped me sort of get to know it. And I've seen it develop from the very beginning. It's great. But eventually it just came together. And then over lockdown i i'd always enjoyed listening to david addison and Mm. i i was scrolling through it was i think april 2020 covid was in its first height and i was just sat at home i was on discord scrolling (laughs) down and then i saw david's very well-known south park character avatar and when you scroll down discord obviously on the servers it gives you just the avatar of who's online i was like "What's, what's he doing there i was thinking like out of all people, I know David like, wasn't a fan of sim racing, but like he's, he's properly got on board with it. I was like, that's amazing, but he was in Apex, and he was in a locked channel, because I wasn't doing much work for them at the time, so I couldn't get in. So I was like, I don't want to go and pester him anyway, so I'll just send him a message, and I, I messaged him, and about five days passed, and there was like two broadcasts that he did with Apex, and I was like, oh well, so he's clearly been active on Discord, and he doesn't want to get back to me. That, that's fair enough. You know, I imagine he has people all the time saying, oh, help me commentate! But like, I was just a bit disheartened. I was like, you know, you, you don't ask, you don't get. That's, that's the thing, you know, yeah. I always ask for things like that. And then a few days later, I had a message off him, like this big essay apologizing, saying like, oh, I didn't really know how to use Discord. I didn't realize it was even a message. Or <laughs> and, then, um, and then I just asked him for a bit of his time and we had a great chat, I had a proper laugh. Managed to get him to do a few boring cars rounds as well mm-hmm. um, for the British Boring Car Championship. Oh, with the that
1: VW was, Jessers, yes. Yeah, another good series. Fun.
0: That was a hell of a lot of fun. Got David to do a couple of them, which he loved. He even bigged it up on Tin Top Tuesday as well to Alan Hyde. And I (laughs) I lost my mind when he did that. And he fully named me and everything. I was listening to it like, wow. Um, And then, yeah, we just got on really well. He lives around here. He's only a few miles away from me. And, you know, he he loves Alton Park as well. It's where he first started out. But from there, it's just grown. You know, David's got me a lot of work. I'm with an agency at the minute that's not been announced yet. But, um, you know, I've been getting a lot of people sort of, send me bits of work from here and there and it's it's just growing and growing so i must i must be doing something right but i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it
1: yeah it's really good to see people like david um and myself actually that have gone that have crossed that divide that have broken that glass ceiling of real life commentators um coming into coming into sim racing yeah funny moment is a, a nice little bit on the show now there was a particular time when one Chaz Draycott was actually producing me. I remember this oh. one: Bambino <laughs> Car Club, Wiltshire oh, no. Mill. I think you were doing. <laughs> uh, it was you were working with Alpha Live remotely, and wasn't it Paul Ricard? If I remember yeah. that weekend, uh, we had all the weird. all the fancy F1 graphics.
0: Yeah,
1: and Chaz Whis- Chaz says in my ears uh, saying. Like, I completely I can't, I can't remember for the life of me what I said. I said something completely wrong. Chaz corrected me and I <laughs> name dropped him on the stream. And I said, Thank you very much to my promotion, uh, my uh, producer, Chaz Draycott Media. And the <laughs> laugh that I heard in my ears was oh, absolutely. Me,
0: yeah, me and James were in the next room and we were just laughing our heads off because we were like, We didn't think you'd actually say it live on air like that. <laughs> so you just came out with it. And we were like, What? <laughs> we were just laughing our heads off. But that was a mad weekend because. Yeah. I was supposed to go out to France and go to Paul Ricard to the French Grand Prix. And I was so, so excited. And then they were like, oh, we can't get you a media pass. You can't come in. And I was like, oh, great. So I had to sit at Wilt Mill in the rain, mm. <laughs> commentate remotely. But it was so cool because even when F1 was on, you know, we had access to their official lifetime in graphics package and all of that and all the sort of background stuff that only the teams and the organizers get. And it was so cool to see it all in action. I mean, to some people, it may not mean a lot to be like, oh, look, this guy's got some different graphics on his screen. But to know that that's coming directly from F1 Mm -hmm. and they're giving it to me, to commentate on, it's seriously, a, it's a real, real cool moment, and the cleos didn't disappoint. Oh my god, the cleos never disappoint. But wow, Paul Ricard, it was just insane. It all came down to the last lap. I'm not going to give spoilers out actually, but no, it all comes down to the last lap. It's it, phenomenal race. I,
1: I, you know what, Chaz, send me over that link. I'll put that in the yes. description below so you yeah, can watch that uh, mm. as well. But yeah, that was, that was actually funny enough. The first time that we would met because we talked before. Mm. But we yeah. hadn't actually met in real life, and that was the first time. Um, yeah, that was for the Bambino Kart Club for their opening round that season, and yes. it was just so funny. Like the way that it's... Chaz came up to me later, he said, "I can't believe you said that." I said, "Mate, I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a, like instinctive reaction." Um, it's, it,
0: it's always interesting like that because when you've worked with somebody sim racing wise or just virtually, you know, when you meet them in person, it's just a whole different ball game. And I always, you know, I always look forward to when. I can meet someone in person or can commentate with somebody in person, because when you've got the physical energy as well going on yep. with, you know, move, just moving your hands and stuff, it just adds a lot more to it. You know, me and me and David worked together at, during lockdown on boring cars, as I mentioned, but we then got the chance to work together at Hey Fisher on Cleo's when they were at Hockenheim hands down race two, best race I've ever commentated on ever. Another <laughs> one for the description, I think, but yes. Um, it was just being there in the same room as David, seeing what he was doing. You know, I was a bit in awe because I was like, oh, my God, it's him. But like we'd met a few times before that. But seeing him work his craft was great. But the physical energy we had between the two of us and having a laugh with it, it was just it made it so different and so much more enjoyable. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a bit more of that this year because a lot yeah. of the stuff I've done is, is on my own. But I really enjoy having two commentators in a box because you can just bounce off each other and have good banter with it.
1: Well, I mean, it's like when we did, uh, what was it, the Neo Six Hours of Monza for Williams mm. Esports, like the banter yeah. between me and Chaz was, was, was yeah. quite, was brilliant. And it was so funny, like saying, yeah, and now you can listen to my, uh, my scratchy tone of voice or something like that yeah. for the next <laughs> hour or so while so-and-so has a yeah. break, which, which is great because it just shows that even on sim racing, and I think also, Quite recently, you were at Apex Racing TV's new studios, weren't you, for, mm. for a particular broadcast? Tell us all about that, mate, because they've they've gone to town at yeah. Apex, haven't they?
0: Yeah, Apex have, have done a lot of hard work. And you know, it's Alex again as well. He he's uh, him and his his partner Lee Thompson, their business partners. It's he's just what they've done is amazing. They've got a facility where they've got their drivers living. Um, they've got all the Sims, they've got basically the Sim Center. Well, they've got a studio upstairs with a full stage, all of this custom lighting, massive screens. And it's just so, so serious. It's really cool. I went and saw it a long time before they booked me for that gig. They basically said, come down, have a look, see, see how it is. And, and I loved it. But when, uh, when I went there to do the show, so much had changed and so much had improved. And the whole thing went really well. You know, there was only two hiccups all day, and it was both because of me. Um, the first one was we had um, road, excuse me, road Wireless Go, um, lapel mics but we had their smart lav ah, okay, yeah, shirts so we had the smart wireless go on our right sort of hip and then we had the receiver for the earphones so the guys could speak to us on our left hip and basically you have to hold down the button on the top of the wireless go for I think it's like five seconds it's quite a long time usually yeah. it's like two seconds with most tech but this five second button really caught me off so we were walking in I'd literally do the presentation and stuff on the stage and be a presenter and so on. And then we'd throw to Tim Cox, who was commentating. And he was literally, as I sat on the sofa, there was a wall behind me. He was the other side of the wall at a desk and there was a door at the end. So I would get up as soon as I was done, run through the door, round to the desk, sit down with him, headset on, and then we'd commentate on the race. Race had finished, Tim would wrap it up. I'd run back in and present again. I did that for six hours straight. And it it was nuts, but it was so much fun. I was so exhilarated by it. Luckily, I didn't have to do the last three races of the day because we had nine races. Oh, but geez. With, um with the last few races of the day, I, I got to have a bit of a break while they were doing it because they had Austin Knight commentating instead. But what a day and what a place. You know, the studio, the kit, they had every, every angle covered and it was really, really strong. They they nailed it. They really did. But it was me, me not turning my mic on for one of them. <laughs> but luckily, um, Oliver's mic next to me picked me up anyway. And then the other one was, oh, yeah, we were interviewing Jamie Fluke, um, one of the Apex drivers. And basically, we were meant to talk about the upcoming race, explain the track, talk about the cars and so on. But then we were interviewing Jamie and Alex comes in my ear and says, right, we need to wrap this up now, boys. And I was like, "Okay." And then Oliver went to ask another question. I interrupted him. And I said, sorry, Oliver, we've not got time, unfortunately, for any more questions, but thank you very much, Jamie, and so on. And then I was like, and now we're going to head over to Tim because the next race is coming right up now from, I think it was Michigan or something like that. I was like, Michigan, and here we go. And then handed off to him. And then all I heard in my ear was Alex really panicking and going, Tim, are you ready? Chaz has handed over three minutes early. <laughs> oh. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, that was it. But it was uh, it was a very, very funny moment. But they, they were the only hiccups all day, and it was just caused by me being an absolute clown. But everything was spot on, you know. It Alex happens. And the guys would yeah, they, it they were so accommodating to me as well. But yeah, it was, it was just, I, I, love. It sounds stupid, but I love getting stuff wrong because you get the chance to correct it, mm-hmm. and I'd rather do that than pretend yeah. I never get anything wrong. It's a more human way of looking at commentary and presenting.
1: I, I hundred percent agree. the The funny thing was, um, I'm going to go back to Lamar like I was talking about when I had to do that mammoth journey, which took me, including a food stop. I think I left at 5.30. I got to the hotel at midnight, six and a half hours Mm. later. Got lost because I was so bloody knackered as well. (laughs) But going to Lamar, um, there were two things that happened. So I'm there for social media clients. I've already got my Mm. media pass. I've got my wristband and everything. I get a phone call from Henry, good old Henry Vaudette at 11.30. French time. French time yeah the pride of barry himself yeah, uh, um who we both had the pleasure of working with both uh funnily enough at kart masters because mm. i did 2019 i think you did 2020 didn't you
0: yeah i was supposed to be just doing interviews um but and yeah. all we got was one word answers out of the eight-year-olds so luke <laughs> said oh, it was not worth it was yeah like, do you enjoy the race yeah uh, what were the conditions like all right just like do you, want, do you want to just go up and join henry in the box and i was like i don't know anything about carting and luke was like that make it even funnier <laughs> I was like brilliant so i went up and i got schooled by henry bodette mm-hmm. he is a genius that man he is so good at what he does he's yeah. one of the best commentators i've ever met um but what a weekend you know cart masters is insane i never knew how serious Carton was. And I think that was the perfect weekend to, to learn. Because yeah. Jesus Christ, it's on another level. On another level.
1: I think the funny thing was is it my it was actually funny enough in 2019 when I did it with Henry, um, because I'd been approached by Claire and the team at TVKC, um, saying, Are you available? And I was like, Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll get you to do pit lane and then. And the one of the one of the things I like about Henry is that if he's leading it he has a vision and it's like with the Rotax grand finals. Cause he's the voice of that. And he said, I've, he said, are you still coming to Bahrain? And this is like for last year. And i went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, look, I said, and I basically said to him, I said, I'm the only English speaking commentator that has talked about project C20. And I know the ins and outs I've been dealing with Steve and Daryl at Rotax for the last two years on it. And he said, perfect so he now knows that his go-to person for project e20 from now on is muggins here mm. which is great but he he's very um it's really really funny because he he says how do you work then with regards to, like your entry list and everything i said i'll just pull out my laptop <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. and he's still he's still so old school but it's great it's part of his character and the funny thing is, yeah. is i'm actually older than henry which is an even more worrying <laughs> thing. Like I've like embraced technology, and Henry's just like he's a bit like uh, Captain Caveman. He's still in the Stone Age. But you oh, know well, he's... to
0: be to be fair, I could. I mean, my programs are over there, but I, I have a massive folder of all the programs I've had. You can
1: probably
0: no, they're about here. Yeah, but they actually no, they're on that one. But they're all in massive binders and. What I tended to do last year was for Clio's because I mean we had 51 cars at Monza, and I need to. I know it was stupid, but it was great. But in the wet as well, double trouble. But we <laughs> to make sure, you know, I obviously learned the cars over the year. But what I did was I took a massive pack of coloured pencils with me. Oh and God! <laughs> the majority colour of the car. Whenever I'd seen it in practice or walk around the paddock with it on a clipboard. Just yep. do a little coloured scribble next to the car or a little idea of just what the design looks like and just do it because that comes from me drawing as a kid, you know, making yeah. the, in, in my head linking what I'm looking at to what car it is. Because <laughs> I always say this to people that everybody, not everybody, you know, that, oh, hey, oh.
1: Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> the dog's chewing his ankles. No, <laughs> the, no, the dog's hiding upstairs. Um, But no, the, the reason why I was actually reaching down was because... I'm actually going to let people into a little bit of a secret, which is how I prep for any karting event. Um, and I'll actually show you. I tend to do this Excel spreadsheets. So I've got yeah, like yeah. little out little bits there. Like people go, why don't you have all the entry lists in front of you? Why don't you have them all printed off? And I said, because it just gets in the way. (laughs) And considering at Cartin Campíos, where I was in Spain in late February, um, the desk had enough room because we were live streaming as well. So I had enough for the live live VT feed, the live timing, the XLR digital uh, converter for the track announcements Mm -hmm. and everything like that, and then my laptop anything else was a bit of a squeeze or a bit of a, yeah. uh, a bit of a small mercy. So drinks, not a problem. There was a little ledge that I can prop them up. So like can of Red Bull, a uh, bottle of water, a uh, bottle of Coke, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But like, literally you did, you had more room to swing a cat in there than you did having put paper on a bloody table. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you say, it's, 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 it's quite interesting how everyone works differently in terms yeah. of their preparation. And I still remember when you posted on Twitter, when you did the ADAC total 24 hours of the nurburgring (laughs) Lifer. and you went, and I still remember, I think you made a comment on Twitter and you posted the picture and you said like, I've got all these things here and they're not even in the right order. And then it was sort of like having the instructions of what the BOPs were, but it was in German.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I, I can literally see the document from here. I know exactly which part of the binder it's in. (laughs) We had, I think, the entry list because it's obviously the Nurburgring. We had 105 cars, I think. Enter. no, no, it was less than 100 that year. It was like 96 yeah. cars, but still, you've got up to five drivers in each car. So we had about five pieces of paper. Brian Oliver, it heck, he was over prepared. If anything, you know, he had the entry list in front of him, but he filled the wall with sheets of paper of like the drivers that were in DTM that year, the drivers that were in GT World Challenge, GT Masters, all of it. You know, he filled the wall with all this information. Sometimes I think it might have been a little bit too much, but, you know, he the amount that he brought with him, the prep was phenomenal. It really was. In, like, color-coded binders, everything, it was really, really, really top-notch. But, you know, sometimes I always say that you can overload yourself with it. You know, you need, you need to have it presented in a way that is so simple. Something yeah. I did for Sports 2000 recently, actually, I did the same that you've done there with the Excel sheets. Um, I'd have, like, driver number order, because that's really important, really important to me to have them in number mm-hmm. order, car number. Then the driver, you know, where they are in the championship, how many points and so on. But then I'd have like their best result and their worst result, just little facts that you can throw in. That's all you need. You only need little things like that. If you've got enough time to go around a paddock and find out, then you will. You know, you it's part of the job. You know, you go and ask people stuff, you find out little details about how someone's weekend's going. And I love doing that, because I love meeting the people, I love talking to them. But one important thing for me is while it's nice to have cars on an entry list in number order which is I think the most important thing because if you see a number two car go past you're going to look straight at the top of the thing straight at the top of the entry list but if you see the number 99 go past you know you're going to start looking a bit further down and it's just simple things like that but everybody gets so obsessed with what number the car is they don't think I say it again I say everybody I'm not sort of tarnishing all commentators with the same brush but I know a lot of commentators that get so obsessed with what number the car is, they don't think, I'm going to see what color it is first before I see what number it is. You know, if you can be honest enough over the airwaves to say you've got three red cars in a race, but one of them is number two, 30, 58, whatever. If you've got one of the two red cars coming towards you that were battling, you know, you'll say, oh, only one of the red cars has emerged from, say, cops into Brooklands, for example. Yeah. And, you know, you could say, oh, it could be the... So and so, it could be this, but you're going to know what color it is first before you see the side of it, before you see the numbers on it, you know. It, and and I think that just noting down what color something is, especially if you actually draw that color rather than just writing red on it, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to reference. And that's something I've always tried to stick with because of you know when I'm growing up watching touring cars, watching F1, you know, I'd always see the car and I'd know what it was. You know, I'd point at it because I could visually yeah. tell. Might not know which driver it is exactly because they all they were all identical in each team, but yeah, I think um, I think car color is more important than people make out when it comes to commentating on them.
1: Mm, I think in in some respects, I recognise drivers' race helmets in karting straight away.
0: Now that that surprises me, not because of your ability, but because I think these days every bloody helmet looks the same. They've yeah. all got a shape like this. They've all got some sort of shape you've triggered me now they've all got that shape oh, sorry. everywhere that it's just that shape a million times know, mm-hmm. every single helmet looks the same and i was actually praising jimmy broadbank yesterday for the fact that his lid is literally just black with a few solid stripes on it and it looks yep. great because that's how helmets should be but everybody's got so many helmets now with just these weird striky shaped things all over them and it's like i don't know who that is you know it's mm. Like I and I'm not gonna always know who everybody is. Like we're not we're never gonna know who no. every single driver in the world is because of their helmet. You could show me a few drivers in F1 now and I'd only probably be able to guess them based on the sponsors they've got, so I know what team they're in. But there's just so many helmets that look the same. And I just I, I wanna go back to the days where, you know, you'd have your Graham Hill, just the blue with the arrows on the top. You'd have Sarah yeah. with the green and the blue stripe. You know,
1: just mm-hmm.
0: they need to be simpler the and i know that it's an identity thing and drivers want to make them look pretty up close but when you're far away and when you're even in an open wheel car you know it's got to be striking but then everybody thinks oh it needs to stand out i'm going to make it fluoro yellow or orange oh well so's everybody else yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. it's a difficult place to stand out now is helmet identity but i'm impressed that you can you can tell them apart but i suppose depends how long you know a series and you know the people doesn't it
1: I, I think when I've commentated now, this is going to be hand on heart, my fifth season in Europe. And so mm-hmm. like I've seen the drivers uh, develop. I mean, there's one particular kid, Austin Lee who's originally from Portland, Oregon now lives in Weisendorf in Bavaria in Germany. His dad works for Adidas and Herzog and um, a half. And he has the big word torpedo across the back of his race <laughs> with the, really. with the surf's up big kahuna sign on the back as well, which is nice. Right. And and that, is what i would call identity but the thing is is that with uh, and for a lot of people when they say well when you're commentating why aren't you concentrating what's happening in like 15th or 16th well granted we don't always see the track i mean you know this from case in point as well jazz that sometimes you're not always in a commentator's box you are either in a room or a porter yeah. cabin of some description, and you're yeah. hoping to God that if it's 30 degrees Celsius outside, that the bloody air conditioning works.
0: Well, that's it. I mean, I, I was really surprised when I, I first flew out to Nagaro last year to do Clio Cup Europe. You know, I was I was studying track maps. I was studying, like, the Google Maps of it, even, you know, going on Google Earth and so on, and just putting myself in the paddock and wherever I could to be, right, right where's the commentary box? Where am I going when I get there? And all this. I had a nightmare of a trip out there that I don't want to get into again because I'm fed up. No, because you
1: and I had multiple discussions uh, behind closed doors on that one, and it yeah. was not pretty.
0: No, it was a very, very bad trip. That, um, but that just—it was my own, my own fault, you know, problems with understanding the COVID regulations and so on because I'm an idiot. But when uh, when I got to Nagaro, it was like 28 degrees. It was that typical day that we get over here where it's dead foggy in the morning, and you think it's going to be baking hot this afternoon. It's going to yep. be brilliant, and it was about 28 degrees in April, but there was no wind, no wind at all. And it was baking art. I got sunburnt as hell. But then the race came around, and they were like, oh, you're going to be working with these guys. And they introduced me to all the production people, and they had this big truck, and it was like, oh, cool. And they were like, come back here at um, like half two, and we'll we'll show you your commentary box. I was like, okay, I, I, it's up there, though. I know where I'm going. And they were like, no, no, it's in here. I was like, what? <laughs> then yeah. They put me in there, and it was honestly a room that – I mean, if I if I stuck my arms out either way, I would touch both walls like it was just a booth. And I was just like, I've come all the way to France and they were using the same headset I've got, a BPHS-1, almost the same audio mixer that I've got. Mm. But I was like, I've flown all the way out to France and been through all this. (laughs) this. Especially it it annoyed me a bit at first because I was like, I've come all the way out here to use the same kit I've got at home. <laughs> that and I'm in a truck. I'm watching it on a screen, <laughs> and I was just like, mm, "Is that worth it?" But honestly, the buzz you get from being in the paddock and the vibe of meeting the drivers, you know, I I didn't speak any. I, I still don't speak any French, really. You know, I walk around <laughs> with translate on my phone, and I go up to the drivers and I go, "This is what I want to say." <laughs> like, you know, I'm just like putting my phone in their face. But you know, I have a laugh with a lot of them. I even got a trophy off, um, off yes, uh, Frank Horn. I've got it here i've got it literally behind my monitor um, yeah he was really he was a really nice bloke but he was really happy with what i did in the commentary all year um and he was in the gentleman drivers class and you know we, we he didn't speak any english i didn't speak any french but somehow we just sort of hand gestured and communicated and then uh he gave me that and he said for you because i was joking all year saying oh i'll have that one if you don't want it because you've got loads because <laughs> he was really he was always getting trophies from yeah. Drivers. yeah um so I was like, Oh, I'll have that one. And he was like, No, 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 it's mine. <laughs> and all this. He had it like I saw him with one in the airport and I was like, I can take that if you want. And then um and then he just turns to me and he goes, For you? And I was like, Ah, you're funny. And he was like, No, no, for you. And I was like, Really? And he, he was like, Yeah, he's like, said he did, I've done a great job and it's got all the Monza thing on it and everything. Oh, that's it's awesome. Gorgeous. It's it's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. And it's it's very sharp though. They've not sanded off any of these edges. But it's yeah, they they're stunning trophies, very stunning. But um Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah it was a massive surprise but getting to meet the drivers and the vibe of it all is just it's so important it, it, it's just so important and it, I, it, I i realized that more as the year went on
1: it, it is because it's like with karting you know the the family atmosphere that you have in the paddock okay yes us as commentators we're in a very privileged position yeah. however sorry <laughs> i There's, have that uh,
0: with this this oh, kills my ears. no
1: no i mean the thing is is that like because um, Chaz is using an auto Technica headset, I'm using EPOS the H3, mm. uh, which is linked directly. So this gives you an understanding that we all have our personal preferences to what we use. I mean, I even have yeah. a Viper like, Gaming by Patriot V83380 3, headset, but unfortunately,
0: we've <laughs> got, got another one over there. <laughs> I, I was going to
1: say it's like it's like a little little like mental piece over there mm. um but we we both have our own preferences but it works for each of us and i find this quite comfortable it, it was mm. like a decision that i thought well because i'm of the um tim cook steve jobs generation when it comes to computers and Chaz is of the other of the bill gates variety you know exactly what i'm size. talking about yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but the but the thing is is that it works for what we need it for um but yeah Definitely. it's 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 like you say when i I think it was 2020 wasn't too bad for travel
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, going overseas, but 2021. Yeah. I think, it, well, actually there was a lot of times when I wasn't able to go because I would have to automatically quarantine going over there. Uh, right. Yeah. And
0: well, that, that, that's the problem. Cause like, I mean, when I did the Nürburgring 24 hours, it was at the end of 2020 and it was like, COVID is literally still a brand new thing at that point, you know, it was mm. September and it was like, this is going to be a nightmare. And it was just wear a mask on the plane, wear a mask indoors. That's it. And I was mm. like, okay. And now it was like going to France and so on, you know, you have to have a test before you go. Yeah. And because of how long you're out there, you have to get a test while you're in that country to come home, which was one of the scariest things, knowing where oh. was the right place to get a valid test and so on. But like doing all of that and after being turned away from my first flight because I didn't have the right type, every single time I went to an airport, I was absolutely cacking my pants. Um, there was a woman that was particularly difficult in Italy. I remember coming home from Bologna and she was saying that because my test was in Italian, because it was done at Imola, it was done at Circuit, because my test was in Italian, not English, Ryanair might not accept it. And I was like, I can get Google Translate up on my phone and do the camera thing where it changes the words on the paper for yeah you. and I showed her and I was like look it, it translates and you know what that means in Italian that means negative like what's the problem and then she had a word with somebody and eventually they let me on but they, they made clear they weren't happy about it but it, it's it's getting easier again now I was looking at the regulations to get to France the other day because I'm going there soon and you don't have to test or anything if you're vaccinated now. So mm-hmm. it's, you just have to sign a declaration, basically, to say, I've not had COVID recently. I've not yeah. got it currently. And if I do get it, I'm not going to be a knobhead. <laughs> That's basically it.
1: Exactly. It's playing by the rules. Yeah, uh, because for us as commentators, you know, I mean, I spoke with Joe Bradley from Radio Lamar quite recently. He said it was so awesome to be back in, in Daytona and, and Dubai. Uh, yeah. And and this is off the back of him actually, him and Hindi actually uh, watching my commentary because Rhys Hunter, who's a uh, well-known carter in the in the Republic of Tyne of Weir, Tyne and Weir as uh, Hindi likes to call it, Sunderland, of mm-hmm. course, um, him and Joe Bradley, they were watching watching it and they said that was bloody difficult and Joe Bradley went, how can i get to be your number two this <laughs> is <Just> like thinking, <laughs> imagine that imagine that if i could Maybe. get joe bradley on board with the euro trophies <laughs> as as the pitlane reporter happy days i um, don't nice. know if that'll ever happen but you mm-hmm. never know you never know and the thing is is that with that kind of thing where you know that john hindle and joe bradley have watched you on commentary the doors always yeah. open um Definitely. so right we're gonna get back to our questions but it's been great yeah. because from from our perspective here to give you an insight into how difficult it was during the initial throws of the pandemic when PCR testing was required mm-hmm. i um I'm, I'm i'm gonna be completely honest with you the worst times that i've experienced with pcr tests are as follows when i was in lamar at the Rotax Max Challenge International Trophy because I didn't have to do a test to go out because I was fully vaccinated. However, I had to do the test to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, The test center, as always, in France, nothing always opens on time apart from a racetrack. Um, So uh, I had to phone the organizer because Henry, as I was saying uh, saying about earlier, Henry Baudet phoned me at half past 11 Tuesday night and said, I can't make it, mate. Um, oh no! And so I ended up doing three social media clients and forty-seven races in one straight week. I was absolutely cream crackered on the Sunday night, and I made sure oh, I, I made up for it because I, um, at the place where I was staying, right by the or uh, it's called Apath City. They do these epic pizzas. You get yourself an epic, like thin crust pizza, thin and uh, crisp, thin, thin uh, crust pizza,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: a drink for twelve euros. I went and had two, and I—they did not even touch the sides. That's how much it was <laughs> oh, needed.
0: I miss pizza.
1: <laughs> oh, I know uh, Chaz at this particular moment in time has put himself through the keto hell um, at the mm-hmm. minute, but at least in some respects it will help him a little bit in, in towards the season. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean we're now going to fire on to the other questions now. But like I was saying, PCR testing, France. And Bahrain, one of the worst experiences it was someone. It's like someone had stuck the TGV at three hundred and fifty kilometers an air up my nose and rooted I for yeah, great matter.
0: I had that in Austria. It was like he stuck it in and he just went bang, <laughs> <laughs> flipping heck. I thought my eye came out.
1: Yeah, but, it, it was quite yeah. funny though in Bahrain because you had to turn away, take off your mask, and then they go like like that. Yeah, and because my hay fever kicks off whenever oh, I go to no. a different climate. Yeah, I went oh. That's clear. The old sinuses was my first response, and then I just walk <laughs> off and start sniffing. You know, yeah. they go, "Have you then got COVID?" No. You see, him with, no. A
0: <laughs> you see him with a stick come out, and it's got your brain on it. <laughs>
1: it's like... Be like something out of Spitting Image. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, you mentioned about Ralph Schumacher earlier on, um, mm. back in the I know what in, in the nineties. Um, but are there any other favourite drivers that you've got, buddy?
0: Mika Hakkinen. Oh. Mika Hakkinen. Hands down. He is one of not just the funniest drivers you'll ever see, but he's got a fantastic mix of great professionalism, incredible pace. He's got a wonderful sense of humor, but it only comes out at the right points. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he's Mika, you know, he's he's one of the only drivers Schumacher ever feared and he was just an absolute Don. He still is. I mean, it go back, what, two years, three years ago when he was still yeah. racing GT threes in Japan. Like it's insane, mate. Like he's just such a great guy. And there was wonderful footage of him recently reuniting with David Coulthard at the race of champions. And they were just having such a laugh together on screen. And he's just an absolute star. I, I love Mika. And I think he's, he's, a proper inspiration to any driver, you know, because he had his massive accident in 95 at Adelaide, yep. horrible accident. I I listened to Beyond the Grid with him. And if you haven't heard that, by the way, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But he talks about like even having a tracheotomy at the side of the circuit and all, all of the operations and things that went into it. But he's so funny about the way he comes across in, in all of it. He's just yep. He's got such a great way of describing things in English, even though it's not his first language um other than him i'd say I'd, there's always an interesting um controversial rivalry that's gone on in british touring cars and that's jason plato and matt neil
1: oh and, i was hoping someone was going to bring it up i still remember yeah. rockingham motor speedway yep. <laughs> 2011 yeah i actually matt... quoted
0: that yesterday <laughs> i quoted it yesterday going you be careful jason you be careful son because Matt Neal's a scary big bloke. I've, I've met him twice. Yeah. And he is a scary big bloke. Um, but he's a great guy. Really great guy. Him and his sons, you know, they're, they're fantastic. But out of the rivalry, I've always preferred Plato. Because he's a little cheeky bastard and he gets away with it because he loves playing the villain and he always yeah. says it he, he loves he, it
1: he never he has never shied away from being the ultimate pantomime villain of touring no. cars
0: no uh, i great mean at it. It,
1: it, 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 the thing is is that if people say yeah well john clennan was a bit of a mean bugger i said yeah but you can't no, oh, no. one no, no one in god's green earth when it comes to touring car villainy can do a better job than Jason Plato because he ha- no. he does it for a reason. It gets yeah. him noticed. It gets him a fan club. Yeah. And oh, yeah, you yeah. see you see completely the different side of him mm-hmm. when it comes to like fifth gear on channel yeah, yeah. five. That's like a, a completely different person. But he mm-hmm. still gives old mad dog Nadel a bit of shit, doesn't he?
0: <laughs> he does yeah <laughs> uh, to be fair I, I follow tiff on twitter and he, he likes a good rant does tiff i I yeah. actually met him as well that, no. that was a mad one that i i've always listened to tiff I, you know he's always commentated on stuff he's he's voiced over the um touring car games the old tucker two, and even i think he did the first touring car game as well you know yeah. i i was sat at it was my first time at mallory park i was sat at the commentary box just doing some notes and then the door was completely the opposite end of the room pretty much where that one is um, but it was it was on the back wall. It was behind me completely, and I was sat there doing my notes. And someone knocked on, and I I would I must admit I was so rude. You know, I was I was knackered. I was fed up already. Um, and then I was just sat doing my notes, and then there was this knock, and I went, "Yeah." <laughs> I don't know why. I should have just I should have just been like, "Hi, can I help you?" Because you know, you don't you want to come across as professional when it's the first time at circuit. That could have been the race director, circuit owner, anybody. Yeah. I just went yeah, and then they just went is it all right if we come and do some filming in here? And I did that sort of like, like something out of a film. I was looking at my thing, at my notes and I sort of went, I recognize that voice. <laughs> and, around, and it was Tiffany Dell. And he was walking towards me, like ready to shake me hand. He was like, sorry to disturb me, mate. I was just wondering if we can do some filming in here in a bit. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can do what you want. And I was just like, I'm really sorry. I had no idea it was you. And he was like, oh, it's all good. And he was, he was great he was doing something with one of the catering drivers. I can't remember the brand it was for, but he was doing, he was, um, he had a guy with a camera on his shoulder, you yeah. know, like a wired microphone and they were looking at the timing screen and doing like a panning shot and then talking to him. And he was talking to camera and then watching the race out the window. It was great just seeing that. Cause obviously you only see the moments of it on TV when it's cut together, but it's great to see the, the minute or so either side of that, where he's like, yeah. oh, do you want me to just try that again. I'll do this. And then, you know, he recomposes the way that he emphasizes different words and, oh man i loved it and he was he was a great sport you know we took a selfie together it's one of the worst selfies i've ever got of myself but he looks great you know he looks great for his age as well but Mm -hmm. he he loves a good old rant does tiff on twitter he's uh, he's an old back
1: he does i mean the the funny thing was is that i'm gonna bring another side to this story um now people might remember when jason was in the mg6 with triple eight when it used to be known as uh I think it was yeah. KX Momentum Racing when you yeah. had the KX energy drink from Tesco and mm-hmm. then also their fuel as well that well there was um there was an opportunity for people to win some prizes for asking Jason Plato a question and I uh, the funny thing was I was the top the first five people would get a prize right I ended up being person number 6 oh I had no. a pro- but I wasn't worried about that Because I was already there for that weekend as media anyway. I was catching up with a couple of friends. And a big shout out to Paul Clark from Stopwatch Hospitality, who made sure I got fed and watered that weekend just off the Brabham Strait. I have to give him a shout out. He's he's been a a good friend for many a year. And I still remember asking questions. And I said, When are we? uh, I said, Jason, obviously, fifth gear, there's been the old, you know, the challenges and everything. Is there going to be any times when we're going to see Mad Dog Nidell, as you called him on the Beetle Jump, doing something as silly as that, where he's trying to launch it as far as possible? He said, "Yeah, he's just a mad old bastard, isn't he?" <laughs> like Mitch, he, he got oh, a big laugh.
0: Tiff's Tiff's brilliant. He's he's an inspiration yeah. as well. You know, he's he's such a, he's just such a character. Mm-mm. He always has been, and he always will be. You know, he's uh, he's a, he's a star, and he can drive a car. That boy, he can drive a car.
1: Yeah. I mean, when, when, when you, when you said about the, and this actually comes into nicely to our next, um, my next question is that the question I always ask is, have you ever been starstruck with a racing driver? Well, that kind of reaction when you said, I recognize that voice. And then you go, Mm. yeah, I bet that was one of those moments where you actually got starstruck thinking bloody hell. I can't believe it is actually Tiff Nadell in front of me. Has that happened with anybody else? Yes. It
0: was, there was two in a day and I was, I mean, I was already having the weekend of my life. I was at Red Bull ring commentating on Cleo's most beautiful place in the world. Hands down. You know, I've been to Iceland. I enjoy Iceland. It's great. Spielberg in the mountains when it's a nice day. My God, mate, nothing, nothing comes close. I'm sorry. Like no matter where people are, wherever they have advocate for Spielberg, hands down. Um, but I, I, was, I was in my hotel bed on Saturday night and I saw that the next guy I was going to name if there was another sort of inspirational driver, Ricard Rydell was oh, yes. at Red Bull Ring. He was, um, he, he's like the sort of mentor for Dino Begnovich in uh, Formula Regional. And Dino's a great lad as well. Really like Dino. He's a lovely guy. But Ricard is like, he sort of sponsors him and basically helps him out. But Ricard knows his way around commentary as well, because he commentates on F1 in Swedish, he, over in Sweden. He does it on Swedish TV. And I saw that he was there on his Instagram story. And obviously, with growing up with Super tourers and so on, I've always loved Ricard. You know, he's an absolute mm-hmm. demon. There's a, there's a video of him lapping Bathurst in a in the Volvo S40. And again, if you've not seen it, watch it, because Jesus, <laughs> that boy, oh, he pedals it like mad. Um, And I, I saw he was there, so I thought, you don't ask, you don't get. Again, similar to the David situation. You don't ask, you don't get. So I messaged him off the back of his story and said, like, are, are you still around tomorrow? You know, I've, I've always been a big fan. I'm not going to lie. It'd be great to meet you and, uh, and and come and say hello. I explained that I was commentating on Clio, so I could get into the paddock and whatever else. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, we'll be free about four o'clock because that's like the sort of biggest gap either side before we've got a race or anything like that. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll uh, I'll pop down. And then me and Chris McCarthy were there and we walked over and went to see
1: Rickard. Chris was like, who's this guy? <laughs> I
0: was like, Chris? Chris, like, this I... is
1: like my childhood hero, Chris. McCarthy, I... you're getting a slap the next time I see you.
0: <laughs> but we were walking over and as we went round a corner, and went through a door, I I went through a door thinking that the other person was letting me through, and we banged shoulders, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." It was Rubens Barrichello,
1: <laughs> and and he was with his son Dudo. Oh yes, Dudu was, racing, was in... racing in in yeah. Formula Regional that weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I met. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." Out of all people to bump into it <laughs> she's like, "No, it's so." He's, he's like, "It's cool, man," and he, he's so cool, Rubens. But Dudu had just had a really bad race, and he he wasn't in the best of moods, but there was still that little twinkling of just. Really happy, positive Rubens coming out. Still took a picture with me and everything. So I was like, I'm sorry, Rubens. I have to ask because my mate Tom is going to absolutely kill me if I have a picture with you. And yeah, and there we did. He stood chatting for a bit. I was asking him how everything was going, how how he thought Dudu was getting on and so on. And it was was great. And we were on our way to go and see Ricard Rydell at that point. Went over to see Rickard and, you know, it was a great conversation. We met up and had had pictures together and all sorts. And Mm. because he does commentary as well, he was asking me and Chris stuff about our commentary. You know, it wasn't just us going, oh, what's the Volvo like? Like it wasn't just (laughs) us fangirling (laughs) at him, you know. It was a two-way conversation because he was intrigued at what we were doing and sort of our Mm. careers. And he was such a top bloke. You know, he's so clever as well. But he he showed me a picture because we were talking about said Volvo, as you do. And he's still got it. It's in his house. Um, he, he showed me a picture. He was like, I've still got it. He was like, look, I'll go through my phone. And he had it. And he's got the Volvo. It's in like this pristine white garage. And he's got a balcony like on the third floor, or well, second floor, third one, yeah. up, um, where his office is. And he's basically it overlooks where this Volvo is in this pristine white garage. But up the wall, all the way up, is a collection of his trophies that goes roof high. And then a massive long rack with all of his race suits on it in the line, oh, with, the Volvo, awesome. with the Volvo in pristine condition at the bottom. It is insane. Like I could not believe it, mate. I've, if, I've probably got. I've probably got a screenshot of it on my phone because I, <laughs> I, I, wanted, I, I, I asked him to send it me, and he was like, oh, "I can't do that, sorry." But yeah. And, uh, oh, there you are. I've actually got it here. I don't know if it'll work on my
1: camera, but there you oh go, my! If, if IKEA made a display for a touring car. That's yeah. what it would be. Well done, Ricard.
0: Change the focus so you can
1: that's yeah. mega. That is <laughs> absolutely insane, it, mint.
0: Like what a guy. What a guy. But he was he was well happy to show it off and so on. But yeah, mm. to to meet Rickard was that was probably the the main time I was I was properly starstruck. Just because of how chill he was, you know, you expect them to be a bit fed up, like oh god, this guy won't stop asking me questions and this that, and the other. <laughs> but honestly, like to yeah. to see him like that was was pretty amazing, and uh, it, it, I was very grateful for his time because it was it was genuinely nice time spent together.
1: Okay, just a couple more questions to go because we have been talking for quite a bit. Bloody hell! Yeah, I didn't realise it. <laughs> I know, I know. This is the third episode that has breached the sixty minute mark, but hey, this <laughs> is the whole point. It's about having yeah. a chilled out chat uh and plus also it keeps us away from what else we need to do as well in general uh, working <laughs> yeah right.
0: well i'm going i'm not going to lie mate i'm i'm going to go and sit on gran turismo 1 for about 3 hours after this probably cuz yeah cuz you've been uh... doing
1: quite a bit of editing on gran turismo 2 haven't you years of late mm.
0: well the problem with it is is that i'm doing it on an emulator so ah. for anyone that doesn't know an emulator basically means you can play playstation games on a pc and i've emulated gran turismo 2 and i love the game but because I'm doing it as a series, I feel like I have to be in proper recording a video mode and like proper talking through it and doing everything in the right order. Whereas I want to just play Gran Turismo as well. So what I've done is I've downloaded Gran Turismo 1 and I'm just going to go through that and mess about with that. And then when it comes to recording time, (laughs) I'm doing Gran Turismo 2. So I'm flicking between the two of them, but I've got notes on where I'm at because I'm going to probably forget.
1: So yeah. Um, Chaz, one of the other. Now you've mentioned several commentators including david addison are there any particular ones maybe apart from david that stick out to you and i wouldn't say emulate or idolize but people that you hold in high esteem with regards to commentary
0: charlie cox charlie cox is for me the best commentator of all time and mm-hmm. i you know it's it's an interesting choice I've, I've always been told um but he is the most entertaining commentator i've ever seen and I always I I always try to be like Charlie because he was emit he, he was en- there energetic and he was just so funny his puns were so quick but that's the thing like I always think it's important as a commentator not just to read out facts to people and just get monotone and just tell people exactly what yeah. they're looking at you have to be entertaining and provide a story to it as well and Charlie did that so so well and there were a million and one puns that he came out with. that I, I could probably rattle off hundreds and we'd be here for another hour. But <laughs> the the combination of Charlie Cox and John Watson on British Touring cars.
1: Oh, God, yes.
0: Because John is fantastic. He just says it how it is. You know, David's told me so many times about how much John says, oh, well, you shouldn't get points for 30th place. Back in my day, you only got to up to fifth and all this. Yeah. But, you know, he he he's proper old school is John, but he's exactly how you'd want him to be. And him and Charlie together was great because, you know, they'd have a little disagreement of oh, whether there was contact or what someone was trying to do, but it was always exciting. And listening to the pair of them was just <laughs> phenomenal. Um, There's a great, like, clip of, I think it was Snetterton 1999. And Jason Plato was teammates with John Christophe Bouillon. Yeah. And the two of them in the Renaults were leading the race. But Ivan Muller and his Vectra had been through hell to get up to the front of the grid. The rear bumper was waggling off the back of the car. It fell off down the straight. The bonnet was all crumpled in. The headlights were pointing in opposite directions. This Vauxhall was battered. And then they were running along, and Plato was hoping for some good chances in the championship. And there's a radio message comes over the tannoy and over the production as they go down the straight. And it's Jason saying, tell JCB to hold off Muller. And it was like, it comes off and Charlie Cox is just saying, you've got to be kidding. Trying to hold off Muller in this angry state. It's like trying to hold off the Terminator with a water pistol. (laughs) He's like, you've got no chance. And then they go around the next corner. They go on board with James Thompson, who's just behind it. And Muller's absolutely mugged JCB. He's gone to his right and he's just creeping ahead of him on the straight. And he's like, oh, on board with Thompson now. And look, there's JCB not doing a good job of holding off (laughs) Muller. And then they have a massive crash at the next corner. And he just shouts, it's a goal because he absolutely oh. pounds into the side of James Thompson but i,
1: I still remember great. i still remember murray's iconic line he says i'm going for first he says oh. we know which finger got stuck oh. up there as well which was brilliant
0: oh, definitely not that one it, it, de-
1: was... Well, it was neither that one either
0: <laughs> oh no <And> mate! honestly <laughs> murray with stuff like that there was another moment actually I think it was 96 and it was Winklehawk. He got overtaken by Beeler at the last corner at Snetterton Mm -hmm. and Beeler mugged him off. And then obviously the Audi was still four wheel drive at that point. So it disappeared off up the road. And then Winklehawk's going down the straight, we're on board with him and very much like Cleland, he just holds his fist up and goes like this. And Murray says, Oh, he doesn't like Beeler. He says, dumb cop, he says, (laughs) and Murray just comes out with it. I was absolutely a bits on the floor, but I mean, it obviously goes without saying, you know, Murray Walker. Yes. what, What an inspiration, man. It's, um in three days it will have been a year since we, we lost Murray. And you know, it was that's that's one of the f- that that's one of the few things that have really ever hit me properly hard. Like I getting a bit deep here, but like whenever I've had any sort of like friends or relatives pass, it's always I go into just like what I call robot mode where I'm just you're that sad about it, there's no emotion, you know, you don't cry, you don't get actually physically upset or anything like that. It doesn't affect you physically that day. But when Murray went, it was, I mean, I'm not blaming him, but it was the worst possible time because I was three hours into a six-hour endurance broadcast on iRacing, and I was sat here, and I had a message come through from my mate who hadn't messaged me in quite a while on my right screen. I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that. And then he just said, sorry, mate, Murray Walker's passed away. And I was like, yeah. So I, I then started saying we're going to go to a bit of a break and then I was, I then started sort of, I wanted to not like I didn't want to do that thing that people do where they say like something terrible's happened and then don't give any information on it. Like I didn't want to be like that but I was that upset and that flustered I found myself doing it and you just I I I've, I've hold my hands up, I, you know, I fell apart live on air in just trying to go to a break and my co-commentator Ed May did the same as well and yeah, for the for the next hour or so, we were just talking about Murray and trying not to fall to bits. But yeah, Murray's a star, and he he always will be. You know, his his energy and his his puns and everything. You know, my one of my favorite lines that not everybody has ever heard is, At, "Speaking from memory, I don't know how many points PK's got." <laughs> it's just it's beautiful because it's I, that's yeah. how it should be. It's honest. It's human. It's entertaining, and I, I, as a commentator, I strive for that. You know, I Charlie I, and Murray.
1: I, I, yeah, I hand on heart. I mean, Charlie Cox. Like, I've watched a lot of his stuff over the years, and I think that one of the biggest things about Charlie, very, very underrated, very. Oh underrated.
0: yeah, massively underrated, massively um, underrated.
1: But Murray, for me, was the voice that brought me into Moses. What I still remember. Yeah, uh, 88 Monaco Grand Prix. I'm going back eons in Formula One terminology. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, considering with what's happening in Bahrain is uh, at this particular moment, in time is Formula One 2022 is is mm. is coming along, and we're not going to talk about side pods because Chaz has already talked about that on Twitter. I'm not saying any more, <laughs> but all I'm saying is, <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. laughs> one particular team, Silver Arrows. Um,
0: yep. <laughs> but Coach I th- can allow- yeah, Aidan Millward, don't kill me, honestly, because mm-hmm. Aidan was very, very quick to jump down my throat and be like, "Yes, but it makes the car quick. I, I know," but
1: don't jump down my throat.
0: It it looks toss anyway.
1: It look yeah, it's a load of dross from Brackley. <laughs> um, but I think one of the one of the other favourite moments is when Nigel Mansell has got the biggest lump on his forehead and he says, well, "Where's that lump?" Bang! Like literally, points straight yeah, away.
0: Right up there. It, oh, it, sorry. It, it
1: was. Yeah, um, and I think really that sort of like helped talk about some of our favourite moments in commentary because you already talked about some of your favourite moments, like mm. with the Hungarian trucks, Hockenheim, Paul Ricard oh, yeah. for, for Club Cup Europe. But there is one final question to conclude episode 10 of Commentator's Corner. Yes. And you're going to like this one, Chaz. is Eight this inches. A- Sorry. <laughs> 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 what? Uh, random. Um, right. If you had no budget limits. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no budget Uh, limit. No budget limit. (laughs) So we break the glass seat. Yeah, no budget limit on this one. If you had a choice, whether it be a road car or a race car, and a circuit you would drive it on, what would you choose?
0: Oh god. Um oh part of me wants to drive something classic, but part of me wants to drive a (laughs) P1LM. Um (laughs) The McLaren P1 LM is the prettiest road car ever built. Hate me. Hate me. Shoot me. Cancel me. Put hey, hey. Uh, I over.
1: I I will be completely honest with you. The same car that was piloted by one Kenny Brack mm. up the Goodwood Fest uh the Goodwood Hill climb. A yeah, few good, years ago. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, Goodwood. Goodwood's yeah. not a bad place to go, is it, if you're gonna take a car? Mm-hmm. Um I'd, admittedly, this is going to sound, with all the circuits in the world I could choose, it's going to sound really stupid, because I've never driven it, I'd love to drive Alton Park, I, I would love to, and because I know the place so well, and you know, iRacing does such a good job of simulating it, I feel like I could be quite decent around that, but I don't know what it'd be, it'd either, It I, I want to go for something classic, because I, I feel like if I say a P1 LM, it's very like, it's a modern car, yeah, of course it's going to be quick, but I'd, I'd want to drive something like an F forty, or oh, a, maybe even F fifty. But I think the F forty would take it for me. Um, no, I know what it would be. It would be on. a Jaguar XJ 220S. Oh, Tom Walkinshaw Racing developed one, which was like six hundred and ninety horsepower in nineteen ninety one, and it was absolutely mental. I'd probably I'd probably crash and catch fire and all sorts, but like. That car is just one of the absolute epitomes of point it in the direction you want to go, put your foot down and it'll try and go in a different direction. Like, it's yes, just put it where you want it and floor it. And oh, God, what a machine. But uh, yeah, I think I'd want to drive that just to experience it coming off the ground over hilltops. because it probably would.
1: And where we should drive it, Chaz, is more to the point.
0: I think if we're going to go for top speed, I'd probably have to drive it at Le Mans. I'd I'd love to drive Le Mans. I know how legendary it is, you know, it's mm-hmm. I think the Nürburgring wouldn't do it justice. Um so for the long straights of Le Mans, I think I'd yeah, I think I'd be pretty happy to drive it there.
1: Okay. Right. Now this is where it gets interesting because I have to give what in relation to what Chance has just said. So XJ 220S developed by TWR at Le Mans. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in another Jaguar that was also developed by TWR. You might know where I'm going with this.
0: Is it the it is the
1: XJR15.
0: Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
1: Very okay. pretty car. Uh, very pretty car indeed. Um, And was actually between 1990 and 92. Six litre V12. Mm-hmm. 450 brake. I think it was about 450 brake horsepower uh, or so. The place yeah. where I would like to drive that car, you mentioned about top speeds. Well, I want a bit of a challenge as well with some top speeds, and hopefully, this does point in the right direction when you go down Pauillac, Spa Francorchamps.
0: Yeah, yeah, Camel Straight's good. Um, even the run up to Blanchimont, you know, you've got enough time to clench your buttocks for the fast left,
1: <laughs> <laughs> squeaky bum time, and all that. Mm, but Chaz, so. it's been a pleasure having you on Commentators' Corner, buddy. Thank, Thank you, you very much, me. and uh, we'll catch up soon. Indeed, I'm yeah. sure
0: nice one cheers guys thanks for watching everybody see you soon
1: so that's it don't forget if you do want to like and subscribe to the channel feel free to do so a big thank you to chas and we'll see you on episode 11 of commentators corner whenever i can get around to uh, doing that on but until next time <laughs> stay safe keep it pinned we'll see you very soon thanks a lot